When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 14th. Top seeds look the role on the day throughout the course of the professional tennis world. Of course, there are seven events I want to focus on on today's Mini Break podcast. The same events we focused on in yesterday's episode. Those, of course, are the two 250 WTA events happening this week. You thought there was a week off after the year's final Grand Slam? No, 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 my friends. And of course, if you're looking for previews of every day's action, head on over to our Crack Rackets Great Shot podcast feed. We have our Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings, where I not only offer my picks for every day's matches, but of course, I preview the matches I think tennis fans should watch most closely if they want their best grasp on the day's action happening across the globe. Of course, again, two 250 events happening this week in Portoros tomorrow. A bunch of very, very enticing matchups. A couple of former world junior number ones, Diane Perry going to take on Anastasia Potapova. You've got 2021. Now you have to say it in the past. U.S. Open champ Emma Raducanu, no longer the defending champion, but the number one seed in Portoros looking to get back to the top 50. The point is plenty of storylines for us to continue to monitor this week. And I know on yesterday's show, I promised Nate Walrith, our friend from Tennis Point, would be joining us, of course. Unfortunately, our friends at Tennis Point, always busy as they are the best at supplying the best products in the game at the lowest prices to tennis players everywhere. It was a busy day at Tennis Point HQ as such. Nate asked if he could join us tomorrow. I said, of course, Nate. We have no problem if you want to join us on tomorrow's show. Always a pleasure having him. But again, on today's show, I want to talk about the continued developments in Potoro's top seeds and looking the part after struggling in round number one, the 2022 Wimbledon champion Elena Rabakina started to look like the top 20, dare I say, top 10 sort of player. She can be a definitive 6-4-6-1 victory for her to advance to another quarterfinal this season. She looked excellent. Beatrice Haddad Maya, the number two seed, who very quietly top three in wins in this 2022 season. Is she out of the hunt for the year-end finals? We can get into that discussion. Maybe, maybe not here on today's show. Of course, your other 250 event happening in Chennai. We've had a couple of upsets already early in the week. And, you know, that said, when I say top seeds, I do somewhat mean that in a figurative sense. I think Linda Fruvertova is a top seed in terms of our expectations for the 17 year-old moving forward, and certainly she's a top storyline in this 2022 home season stretch. I talked about the plethora of teenagers who are knocking on the door of the WTA top 100.
100. Fruvertova, certainly one of them. She got maybe her best win of the season in Chennai on Wednesday. Want to talk about that win. Want to talk about the continued progression of Jeannie Bouchard. And she's not the only Canadian. Rebecca Marino having some success. Both of them playing, uh, well, Marino in particular, good tennis of late. Bouchard playing good tennis given the injury she sustained of late. So we can get into all of that. Get into the 125K in Bucharest as well. On the men's side, of course, the top players in the world participating in Davis Cup this weekend. My promise to all of you listeners, Friday's episode of the Mini Break Podcast is going to be a Davis Cup-specific episode where we'll not only talk about the highlight results from the week to that point, but also want to get into the reinvigorated format and really what is Davis Cup's role in this Grand Slam, or in this Grand Slam, excuse me, in this tennis hierarchy. Do we value Davis Cup the way we once did? That's actually something I want to ask Carousel, former top 400 player in the world, hitting partner for Naomi Osaka, now my tennis HQ wizard on YouTube, who will be joining me on the Great Shot podcast later this week. That's a conversation we want to get into. So again, that's my promise. We're going to have a Davis Cup-centric episode on Friday. I may have that conversation with Carew, cut it from one podcast, and bring it over to the mini break podcast we can do that with our super producer daniel westoff so just a a look ahead we will get into davis cup at some point this week i just haven't dove headfirst into it yet instead i've gotten back to my roots started watching the atp challenger action happening this week who are the players on the precipice of perhaps breaking through to end this year can we be on the lookout for the next aslan karatsevs or jack drapers of the world who are those young players who are establishing themselves or perhaps those 25 6 7 year olds who have found their footing trying to look for them uh in the challenger action this week and certainly have some thoughts on what's transpired thus far so we can get into all of that on today's show of course the reason we are able to do this day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast feed is because of the support we get from all of you listeners. And we're always immensely grateful when any of you take the time to offer us feedback, whether it be positive or constructive criticism you have for the show. Of course, you can do that by leaving a comment in Apple Podcasts. You can tweet at us at Crack Rackets, at A.L. Gruskin. I am always immensely flattered when people send me DMs discussing the podcast. And I like to think I do my best to respond to all of them. So if you are on Tennis Twitter, you have thoughts you want to share on the show, a question for us to address here, or just, you know, you want to talk a little tennis, my DMs are open at A.L. Gruskin. Of course, another shout out to our friends at Tennis Point, their support, understanding the necessity of the need for a daily podcast, tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, Tennis point long time supporters of this podcast the least we can do ask you to support them as well tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with that said let's talk a little wednesday action from across the professional tennis world. I don't know about you listeners. I get excited for these sorts of weeks when I do have the opportunity to nerd out when there's a Madrid event going, you know, a Madrid. I don't know why I chose Madrid as the city 
that I am choosing here to point out when it's a 1000 level event week, when it's a grand slam week, it's just difficult to lock in on, you know, the real meat and potatoes of the tour. Yeah, we all know about the top 10, top 20 players, but, you know, it's the players ranked 50 to 500 that really make the tennis ecosystem go round. No disrespect to any player ranked outside the top 500, as there are plenty of rising stars. You can see I'm already distracted here on today's show even thinking about them. But why I enjoy these sorts of weeks is you do get to nerd out. You are in a position now where you can go say, hey, you know who I'm going to watch this week? Simona Walter, the young Swiss player at the uh, Bucharest 125K, who otherwise might be a little bit lower in my queue on the list of players to watch. But, you know, maybe I'm going to watch her. Maybe I'm going to watch 26-year-old Julia Graber, who's currently sitting at a new career high, number 97, won 125K last week, plays a fascinating Thursday match against Meyer Sharif. You know, you get to go watch the Sung Chin Sins of the world on the challenger level. The guys like Clement Shedek, Alistair Gray, who I watched at the collegiate level, but perhaps you haven't had the chance to see yet. Now you can go watch them compete at the challenger level because there's not a ton of significant ATP action to take up your time, unless, of course, you are a Davis Cup fanatic, and that's a conversation again we're going to get into later this week but the theme is we get to nerd out we get to find the hidden gems we get to learn about those players who when other people start mentioning them next year where it's like hey did you see Jung Tsin Sung the former world number two junior who reached the top 100 last year just reached his first masters 1000 round of 16 you'll be like you know I heard about him on Wednesday September 14th episode of the mini break podcast you'll be prepared when others aren't because of weeks like these where we have the opportunity to nerd out on this show. Now, with that said, let's start with a couple of headliners in Porto Rose. I'm laughing. Sorry. Sometimes, folks, you know what they say. It's the most important thing about any joke you tell is that you laugh at it because as long as you're your biggest fan, you know, you're keeping fan number one satisfied. Um, the point being, top seeds play the role in Porto Rose. How about Elena Rabakina? After a first round matchup that saw her push to 7-6 in the third, that saw her make just 50% of her first serves, Rabakina was better in a round two victory over Teresa Martinsova. Rabakina broken twice throughout the course of the match, but only faced two break points in the match. And why things remain so close were the struggles on the first serve. She made, you know, 50.4% in round number one was up to a strong 52.2%. That, you know, that 1.8%, don't sell it short, uh, in match number two. But I thought she was more aggressive on the serve, which led to the first serve percentage dipping. I also thought she was much more in rhythm in playing plus one tennis and playing first strike tennis, which is synonymous with the plus one. For those of you unaware, the plus one ball, because I know we got the question on Twitter, the plus one ball is the first ball you're hitting after the serve. So you hit the serve, your opponent does whatever they can to get the return back in the court, and then you have your plus one shot, whether it be your forehand, your backhand to set up the rest of the rally. You know, again, that's why I refer to it as the plus one ball. Rabakina struck the plus one ball particularly well today, whether it was on the first behind the first serve in particular, where she won 88% of her first serve points, dropped fewer than 10 points behind the first serve in the match. Now, part of that was because she only made 52% of her first serves, but, you know, you know, again, uh, 
wins 87.5% of those points. I thought she returned particularly well, had 14 breakpoint chances for herself, converted five of them, won 70% of her second serve return points. She was treating the Martin Sova second serve almost as an approach shot. And, you know, Martin Sova's a big hitter uh, who has big ground strokes and likes to take big swings at the ball, but she couldn't because of the overwhelming pace of Elena Rabakina, who is more comfortable responding to the pace of Martin Sova and weathering a first strike, and then B, when Rabakina was able to impose her will, which she was able to do quite frequently through this match, it just overwhelmed Martin Sova and prevented her from playing uh, the sort of power tennis she likes to play. And I mean, you look for Elena Rabakina now, 34 and 16 overall this year. She's winning 68% of her matches. Now, that's actually not a career high. It trails her 2020 number, where she she was 29 and 11, but you know she's obviously the Wimbledon champion. She's holding 77.2% of the time. That number ranks fourth on the WTA tour behind Garcia, Samsonova, and Osaka. Her break percentage, 32.3%. You know, she's been a little bit streaky as a returner through various points of the calendar this season, and yet she's played, what, 17 total events now this season. You look for her overall in terms of quarterfinals. Interesting. This is only her fifth quarterfinal. Now, she's made a couple of big events. Obviously, Wimbledon, Indian Wells, Cincinnati. But only her fifth quarterfinal. I think that speaks to some of the streakiness we have seen from Rabakina this season, who it's worth noting has actually only lost two first-round matches this year. Excuse me, three. Doha, Charleston, and the U.S. Open. Four, San Jose as well, which she lost in three sets to Daria Kasatkina. Four first-round losses in 17 tournaments, that's actually pretty solid. And you look for Rabakina, who entered the week at number 25 in the rankings. She's currently sitting at 24 with her two victories this week. In terms of the points race, she's 20th. But, of course, there are no Wimbledon points on her resume. She'd very much be in the top 12 of the points race. If you, In fact, if you added the 2,000 points from Wimbledon, she would be at 35-26. She would be at in third in the points race and one behind, you know, 200 points off qualifying for the year-end finals. I do think Rabakina has taken a step forward. She's that much more consistent behind her plus one tennis and to watch her overwhelm Martin Silva the way that she did. Again, playing on her terms is what makes Elena Rabakina special. She is now with a slam title, officially a member of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Regardless of what her opponent is doing, if Rabakina is striking the first serve, the first forehand with success, she's just going to overwhelm you and have the opportunity to be the aggressive returner she likes to be. Great mover for someone her size as well. It's always worth remembering Elena Rabakina, just 23 uh, excuse me, years old. She's still very, very young. And so, again, good for her to get to a year-end quarterfinal, steady her play after that first-round disappointing loss at the U.S. Open. She looked good. Haddad Maya looked excellent. And I'm not going to give you the full Haddad Maya rundown. She's played over 170 like, matches since August 2020 and won over 120 of them. But you look for her now, 46-18. and 18 overall this season. She's won 72% of her matches. Those 46 total wins would rank second overall on tour behind just Iga. She has 40 tour-level victories now. Excuse me, 41 tour-level victories now. That trails just Iga Svantec and Owen Jabir in terms of most victories on the 2022 season. Haddad Maia is 16th in the points race. She wins the title this week, which, by the way, isn't out of the realm of possibility. According to Tennis Abstract, Haddad Maia trails just Rabakada in terms of most likely to win this event in Porto Rose, and you do 
feel like the winner of their hypothetical semifinal would be the favorite against anyone they would face in the final. I mean, you look for Haddad Maya, obviously won the back-to-back titles in Birmingham and Nottingham. She reached the Toronto final as well. She, it's also worth noting Haddad Maya 7-3 and three against top 20 opponents this season. Those seven total victories against top 20 opponents, that ranks tied for seventh most on the WTA Tour this season. She belongs in the discussion. Again, a win in Poderos this week, which isn't out of the question, would get her up to 13th uh, in the live rankings. It would get her up to, let's see, 13th in the points race as well. She would be trailing eighth place Simona Halep by a little under 500 points. You've got Ostrava left. You've got Linz left. She's got to do a lot of winning. Hope some of the players in front of her, Kvitova, Collins, Bencic, Keys, opt not to play. She's in the hunt, though. I, I think Beatrice Adadmaya has put herself in competition and given her longevity over the past two and a half years. Does anyone question her stamina down the season's home stretch? Absolutely not. Good performances from top seeds Rabakina and Haddad Maya to set up a fun weekend of action coming up in Porto Rose. Of course, you look at who they're going to advance to face for Rabakina. It's going to be Lucia Serenko, who earned a very impressive five and six victory over Ekaterina Alexandrova, you know, eight of 13, she fought off break points throughout the course of the match. And look, it was a five and six affair. You look for Serenko, who, of course, reached top 25 back in 2019. I mentioned this yesterday. She's a sneaky good 25 and 13 overall this year. And she's done it the hard way, coming through qualifying at Roland Garros at the Australian Open, finally gets into a main draw at Wimbledon and wins two matches there. Unfortunately, isn't rewarded with points, but now into her third 250 quarterfinal of the season. You look now uh, for her in terms of where she's sitting in the points race. Serenko's 80th in the points race. You look for her now in the rankings. Serenko uh, up to number 84 by reaching these quarterfinals. Tell you what, she's not going to have to play qualifying at the 2022 Australian Open. And that, my folks, is called putting yourself in the ball game. Good win for Serenko. Tough loss for ECAT. Although for what it's worth, and I'm going to give an update at the end of this show. I want to run you guys through some numbers, as I like to do from time to time. You know I love my stats. Tennis Abstracts, top 10, 15, 20, 25 club. Who are the players who rank top 10, 15, 20, 25, respectively, in both hold and break percentage? There are only eight players, and I cheated. I went top 26 because there were a couple players I wanted to include, in particular Casper Ruud on the men's side. And if I was going to do it on the men's side, I had to do it on the women's side as well. Um, for what it's worth, Haddad Maya, not one of those players. She would be in a top 28 club. She's 28th in break percentage, top 15 in hold percentage. Alexandrova is one of the eight players. She's top 26 in both hold and break percentage. She's been so extraordinarily streaky this season, whether it was how excellent she was to win the title in the Netherlands, you know, uh, her run in Charleston earlier this year as well, her run to the Cleveland round of, uh, excuse me, not to the Cleveland round of 16, her run uh, to the Madrid semifinals, not round of 16. She's had three really good events this year. And then some head scratchers. Certainly the loss to Serenko, a loss to Brangle in Cleveland, a loss to Begu at Roland Garros. She runs hot and cold. You know, is that the Katy Perry song? Was that hot and you're cold? You're yes and you're no, you're in and you're out. Yeah, that's definitely Katy Perry. You change your mind. 
I don't think we're allowed to sing. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble with the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and I don't want all of you listeners to hear my continued rendition of that song. Nevertheless, just an interesting statistical note that Alexandrova's hot is so hot that she is one of the eight players who ranks top 26 in both hold and break percentage. And folks, it's a puzzling list. Uh, Certainly the stats are indicative of the funky season that has been the 2022 WTA season, so we can get into that later in the show. But good win for Serenko. Good win for Anna Bogdan. Three sets over tomorrow. Zidanezic. It's going to be Haddad Maya, a 72.6% favorite over Bogdan. Rabakina, a 69.6% favorite against Serenko. Of course, if you're looking for Thursday's matches, head on over to that Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, let's move over now to the WTA action happening in Chennai. You look uh, in terms of the results we saw on Wednesday. Fairly steady day of play. The big result is the upset we saw, but it may be an upset in name only as Linda Fruvertova uh, ultimately knocks off fifth seed Rebecca Peterson. You look for the 17-year-old Fruvertova 4-2 win where she faced two break points throughout the course of the match. One eight, 90%, excuse me, of her first serve points, making 62% of her first serve. She was dominant dominant behind that first serve and her ability. I don't think it's Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. I think it's the maximized version. And I know I refer to this, the tier below Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club is Belinda Bencic Tennis, where you play really, you know, outstanding power tennis, clearly on your terms, but you're a little bit more limited in some of the things you can do. I think Fruvertova might be the maxed out version of Belinda Bencic. And it really starts with that Fruvertova backhand. Oh my God. God, can she drive it down the court? Well, it really starts with the serve. Oh my God, for a 17-year-old, does she know how to not only hit her spots with power, but just create openings on the court for herself with that serve, create opportunities to play, here comes that phrase again, plus one tennis. And I mean, you look for Fruvertova now in terms of players 18 and under on the WTA Tour. 17-year-old Linda Naskova, number 103 in the world, incredible power tennis player. She's got a beautiful back backhand as well. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago when she made what quarterfinals, I think it was in Prague prior to the start of uh, San Jose, Toronto, Cincinnati. Uh, Naskova, I believe also a former top junior in the world. She's the top ranked under 18 year old right now. She's 103 in the rankings. 17 year old Linda Fruvertova second in the 18 and under rankings. She's 116 now in those live rankings. And you look for Fruvertova now in the points race this season. She's 94th, the 17-year-old who turned 17, by the way, not like at the start of the season, turned 17 at the start of May. She's been a top 100 player throughout the course of this year. And you look for Fruvertova now, this 3-2 and two victory over Rebecca Peterson in terms of her success against top 100 players this year. She's now 6-6 six and six against the top 100. Wins over Mertens, over Wang Xin Yu, over the always tricky Anaconia. Um, I'm not going to count the Azarenka victory in Miami because Azarenka clearly was ailing physically throughout the course of that match, even from the start. But, I mean, look... 
Linda Fruvertova has put herself in the ballgame. I mentioned that 116 in the live rankings. You look for Fruvertova this week. If she wins the title, she'll be all the way up to number, wow, 72 in the live rankings. But even if she doesn't win the title this week, even if she just wins, I think, two more matches, she will be inside the top 100. And then she won't have, yeah, while she'll still have some age restrictions because there are under 18 age restrictions, A, they only last till May, and B, She'll get into the main draws of all the slams, and you know she'll certainly be granted wild cards into Miami as she's an IMG player. It's an IMG tournament, but she'll be in the mix and qualifying for the big events as well, and she deserves it. I mean, again, to beat Rebecca Peterson 4-2, and two, to dominate that match, play it on her terms, get as aggressive as she did uh, for the duration of that match, it was just... It was remarkable to see how poised she was and how in control her ground strokes are, how balanced she is off both wings. Does she need to become a better mover? Absolutely. What 17-year-old doesn't? But foundationally, you know, from a tactical standpoint, I'm not saying she's in the GOAT race. I don't even know if she's not eliminated yet because 17, you would have loved to see like, you know, a third round at a slam or, I mean, she has made some runs at the Masters events. We saw her make a run this year in Miami, certainly as she reached, what, the round of 16 at that event before getting knocked out two and three by Bedosa. She did that having, you know, at age 16. I'm just saying Fruvertova is one of the storylines to watch at the end of the season and to watch her beat Rebecca Peterson the way she did four and two. You know I'm just having fun with it. Is she alive in the GOAT conversation? But seriously, one to watch if you're not already. Of course, all of us over the past 10 years have watched at least one Jeannie Bouchard match. And I think more than anything, it's just great to see Jeannie healthy back on court. She got a two and six victory over Carmen Tandy. You look for Jeannie Bouchard. It's her first quarterfinal in a WTA event since March of last season when she played uh, Guadalajara and ultimately made the finals there. Of course, it was only her third and uh, excuse me fourth and fifth matches of the season. She's now three and two overall in the year. She lost to Linda Naskova in qualifying of the 2022 U.S. Open. Speak of the devil, but uh, two good wins over two lower ranked players. Good way for her to build her confidence back up. And you know now you look certainly for Jeannie Bouchard. She's going to take on the winner of Nadia Podoroska and Tatiana Maria. That will certainly be her toughest test to date. You look for Fruvertova. She's going to take on the winner of Zhao and Gracheva. Of course, your other result on the day. How about Rebecca Marino? You know, the 31-year-old is having a pretty solid season. Now, she was top 50 over a decade ago, but you look for her this year, 42-18 and 18 overall. And now by winning her result today, she's into the quarterfinals of an event for the seventh time this season. Now, it's only her third at the tour level, and she's yet to advance past a quarterfinal this season. But Marino's back in the top 100 now. You look for Rebecca Marino currently sitting uh, at number 78 in the live rankings. Again, for her to start this season, she was at the ITF level. That is not going to be the case. You're going to get into main draws at the Australian Open. She'll probably get into main draw at the French Open as well, which given the others aren't offering points, that's really the big deal uh, for Marino at this point. And I love the power tennis she's able to play. It's not elite, but she goes big. Um, and that power overwhelmed her opponent certainly on the day. And then shout out to now Habino, a good 2-3 win over Wang Chung. Uh, you look again, 
if you're looking for those other round of 16 previews, check out our Great Shot podcast feed. But good matchups tomorrow. Gasanova, the 23-year-old Russian who knocked out top seed Ali Risk. She's taking on the always dangerous and talented Katie Swan. Magda Lynette in action as well. The number three seed as is two seed Varvara Gracheva. So keep an eye out on the action happening in Chennai, of course, at the action in Bucharest. Tough day for our ace of the day. I thought former world junior number one, Dal McGolfi, was going to overcome the consistency and persistence of Sarah Irani, but in the end, it was Irani. 2-6-6-3-6-2. She knocks off Golfi. Golfi just didn't quite have the physicality down the home stretch. You know, Golfi's great at playing at her speed, great on being on top of the baseline. Irani had her constantly hitting on the move, constantly hitting not in the center third of the court, and, you know, the errors started to rack up by the end of that match. I also have to give a shout out to Marina Zinevska, who to me is the litmus test player for getting into the WTA Top 100. You look uh, for Zinevska right now, currently in the rankings, the 29-year-old is sitting exactly at number 100 in the live rankings. Just really tough out. Not going to make a lot of unforced errors. You know, solid off of both wings, comfortable moving forward when the opportunity presents itself. Not the greatest server, but can hit her spots. Really good athlete. Reminds me of current stage version of Jill Simone, where it's just like, you know, again, tough out. He's going to ask all the questions. He asked just one too many of former top junior Erica Andriva. Today's in Evska, a four and three victory. She was just too steady uh, for Andriva, even if Andriva had the bigger weapons. Good win for Udvardi as well, three setter. And then how about Rebecca Masarova, the qualifier, eight straight set upset victory over Anna Bondar. Those are your WTA updates from Wednesday. On the men's side, we're looking at the challengers. And that, of course, means starting with the carry challenger, Dennis Kudla. has had two tough tests, but showed, dare I say, and it's devastating to say this about Kudla now because he was a guy I grew up watching and he was one of the juniors. If you don't remember the Dennis Kudla Jack Sock U.S. Open Junior Final, are you even an American tennis fan? Um, scholars have argued maybe not. But Dennis Kudla... Tough match. He played two-time Kalamazoo champion. I think 19 or 20 years old. Still, Zach Sfida dropped the first set. Six love. Ultimately, a love six, six, two, six, two victory in round one. Kudla overcomes the immense power of Emilio Nava. And again, not to get too... What's the term I'm looking for here? Too... Anyways, uh, big picture is what I'm looking for, but you know, again, not to get too what what's what I can't believe I'm struggling with this word. Leave it in. Super producer Daniel Westoff happens to the best of us. I apologize to all of my Michigan professors, but Kudla was able to out uh, not to get. Oh my God, there was the word again at the tip of my tongue. This is really going to bother me. Uh, you know, this is a good 40 seconds. Aren't you glad we left this in to the show? Um, Dennis Kudla was just able to outlast Emilio Nava, was able to spread the court extraordinarily well, not allow Nava to hit from the center third, and made the match physical, and got off to a strong start in set number two. Nava let the set get away from him. Set number three, Kudla, you know, again, did such a good job. Two backhands cross, one backhand down the line. I'm not hitting any more than two balls in a row consecutively in the same direction. It was an efficient game plan from Dennis Kudla, who, again, weathered the storm of Emilia Nava. I guess the word isn't platitudes that I'm looking for. I'm not looking to speak in platitudes or talk, you know, again, in 
when I when I'm bringing up the thing, I know I use spread the court a lot. I'm not saying you know two three down the but the, the the three two down the line back end he hit in the third set. That was the separation between the two. The margins weren't that thin. You know, I'm looking a little bit more big picture than that here today. As we get towards championship weekend, we will get more granulars. There are fewer matches to break down, but uh, Kudla that backhand. It's a it's a treat to watch. Good three set victory for him in a much needed quarterfinal for Dennis Kudla, who has quietly fallen outside the top 100, but back up to number 108 with his carry quarterfinal and with another victory this week. It will get him back up to 103. Two more victories. He's back inside the top 100. You look, of course, at the other action. Fasun Domina followed up a good victory over Oliver Crawford. Here's a, a rare quarterfinal. I think it's only the third in the career of Mina, who was at a career high one, uh, or I think 160. Yeah, let's look this up. Fasundo Mina, as of right now, currently sitting at a career high 127 for the 30-year-old, soon-to-be 30-year-old, in the live rankings. I believe it's only his third quarterfinal at the challenger level and hard courts. He's had a lot of clay court success, has struggled making the transition from the dirt to the hard courts, but a much-needed quarterfinal run for the five-seed. Good wins for him over Crawford and Nanda. Much-needed quarterfinal for Tennis Sandgren, who's back on court, a 6-3 and three win over Juan Pablo Fikovic. You look for Tennis Sandgren here in this 2022 season, 9-4. and four overall on the year. And he's dealt with a bunch of different injuries. He's fallen to number 446 in the world as such uh, needed this quarterfinal run uh, to just get his season ending on the right track. And then a good come from behind victory for Domko for 1-6-6-3-6-2. I had a player text me, who do I think would make the best NFL tight end amongst the ATP Challenger Tour. This is what I fielded in my text from players, folks. That's why they pay me the average size bucks. And the answer is the guy Dom Kofer beat today. It's former UCLA All-American Keegan Smith, who again, Kofer knocks out 166362. Keegan Smith, 6'7", freak athlete for a guy that size. I mean, he is the Rob Gronkowski of professional tennis. I'll die with that. I'll die with that comparison. I'll ride with that comparison, I should say, till the death. Um, if you agree, add A.L. Gruskin. Let me know why. But certainly those matchups were fun. And then tomorrow, a little Jerry Shung-Jordan Thompson rematch. The talented 17-year-old Shang, a straight-set win over Thompson a couple weeks ago in Granby. Kozlov Uchiyama, Ryan Harrison back in the winner's circle. He's taking on Nick Chappell, Michael Moe, Alex Rybakov. That's a great matchup for us American tennis nerds. That's your action in Kerry. Uh, over in France. Tell you what, top seeds are looking the part. Hugo Gaston, three-set win, but into the quarterfinals with a win over Gabriel Debrew. He will be joined by Hugo Umber, who, as I covered yesterday, has fallen outside the top 100 and has really struggled this season. He'll take a quarterfinal wherever he can get it. He gets it via a 4-1 win over the big-serving Antoine Bellier. Uh, Gil Brower, three-set win for the big lefty over Clement Schiedek. Tough loss for Schiedek. I thought he had that match. Was pushing Brower physically, but just ultimately blinked for a moment in that third set and can't give the big serving lefty Brower any sort of space or he'll take it. Of course, tomorrow the match to watch in Rennes, not Benoit Paire, not Furness versus Beret, which is the tennis nerds match to watch there. Not Grenier versus Andreev, which is also a good one. It's Dominic team versus Ryan Penniston. Of course, the lefty Penniston trying to establish himself on a surface that isn't a grass court. Dominic team just trying to establish himself back as a top player on the ATP tour. So certainly a match 
much to keep your eyes on. Of course, over in Poland, Karbeas Bania, who, according to Tennis Abstract, 28.3%. He's your favorite to win the challenger this week. He got a straight set one and two win to advance to the quarterfinals. He'll now take on Shevchenko, who got a definitive two and two win over Chechenato. Mute, Arnaldi, your other winners on the day. Of course, over in Istanbul, your final challenger. You got good wins from Ofner, Elbot, uh, Jukayev, and Kersey. The upset of the day for the wild card, who earned a four and three victory over Fernando Verdasco. Curtsy, twenty four years old. This is a the best win of his career to date. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. So shout out to the wild card here on today's show. With that said. One last quick segment for all of you listeners before we wrap today's show. I do want to give you a little update on those top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs. On the women's side, just talks about how funky things have been. And I'm actually glad now the top makes the most sense. There's now delineation between Iga Sviantek and Simona Halep, who for the longest time this season both ranked top 10 in both hold and break percentage following Halep's tough run at the U.S. Open, her first round loss. Obviously, Halp has fallen out of the top 10, and she's now top 15 in both hold and break percentage, which is a good number and deserving, by the way. She's made the quarterfinals in what? I think eight out of 12 events and has the Toronto title now under her belt as well. But there's only one player who's been top 10 in both hold and break percentage, and that player is Ika Sviantek, who has clearly been the world number one since Ashley Barty retired, and statistics uh, would agree with that fact. Sviantek still breaking servo for 52% of the time for the year, which would, according to my calculations, be the record on the WTA Tour for a single season. She's top 10, Halep's top 15. That's it. There's really no other elite or you know, on the door of elite players who are even in that top 15 club. Now, the top 20 club makes sense as well. Jessica Pagula's in there. She's third in the points race, has made the quarterfinals of just about every big event. Own Jabur now up to the top 20 club as well. Again, makes sense. You can make an argument she should probably be top 15, number two in the world, two in the points race. You feel like the overwhelming consistency she brings tournament in, tournament out, even if she struggled against elite competition, you know, wouldn't her metrics be higher? But it's exactly that. Why is she top 20 and not top 15? It's because her metrics dip that significantly when she faces elite competition. Again, her and Pagula, top 20 club, makes sense. The final member, Marie Buzkova, who's been killing it at the 250 level, killing it in qualifying. And so, again, she's the statistical outlier that makes sense given her degree of success. In the top 26 category, Alexandrova, who we covered earlier, Anisimova, who is tied for second in top 20 wins on the season with Daria Kasatkina. And don't let her bitter ending in New York cloud what has clearly been a step in the right direction for Anisimova, who, in my opinion, has been one of the 10 best players this year. Danielle Collins, who has been too injured to be constantly lingering in our minds as tennis fans, despite the fact she made the Australian Open final this year. But yeah, when she's been healthy, she belongs on that list of players. That said, no Bedosa, no Conteve, no Sakari. Again, Haddad Maya just misses the list. 
speaks to the and no Coco Golf on this list yet. And we talked about this with David Kane in our U.S. Open recap. You know, the players who are on this list typically occupy tier two, and we'll get into that on the men's side where you see players like Medvedev, Zverev, Sinner. You know, all these guys are on Casper Ruud. You know, all these guys, Andre Rublev, are in this top twenty-six club. You just don't see that with Sakari, with Bedosa, with Conteve, with the Benchiches, the Kasatkinas of the world, the Garcias. They're really good at serving or really good at returning, but not good at the other category. Or they're pretty solid at both, but not elite at either. And I think the metrics reflect that fact, reflect the lack of elite tier two play we've seen this season. So I did think that club update on the women's side was a relevant update on the men's side for what it's worth no player ranks top 10 in both hold or break uh, and break percentage only two ranked top 15 Djokovic and Zverev surprisingly and I, I'm not trying to get into this right now I do think you know Zverev was the player most likely to beat Nadal at the French Open this year I think he came closest obviously rolls his ankle what was it seven six first set six five in the second I thought he was playing much better tennis as 2022, as you know, we start to get into the midway point of 2022. So it kind of makes sense that he's in there. Uh, top 20 club is large, though. It's the largest top 20 club I've ever seen. We've got seven names in there, and I think all of them make sense. Alcaraz is in there. Number three, I believe, in break percentage, but his serve is like 16th or 17th. Nadal, top 20 club, makes sense. Medvedev, top 20 club, makes sense. Jack Draper is the Marie Buzkova equivalent, and Draper's been so good at the challenger level that it doesn't account for the level of competition for Draper. But, you know, overall on the season, again, that's how dominant he was at the challenger level, that now that he's a top 50 player, he finds himself on this list. Uh, You've got Taylor Fritz, who started out the year so hot. Indian Wells champion, uh, RBA, who has been killing it at the 250 level. He's got, what, two, three titles. And then Guillaume Monfils, who somehow is on this list. He is the true outlier of outliers overall. Top 26, Sinner, who struggles with the serve. Rublev, 24th in both hold and break percentage. She's the definition of a fringe player in this group. Cranio Busta, same deal. He'd be in the Rublev tier. The last guy is Kasper Ruud who started off the, the year very poorly returning-wise, has worked his way back. Second half of the season, he'd be a top 20 club guy. Uh, but he's 26th in break percentage, and I cheated to include him because he is top 10 in hold percentage, and he belongs on the list of metrics of any best players this season. Come on, two slam finals. I acknowledge that. So again, you look overall, I mentioned the fact only eight names on the women's side. You've got, uh, what, seven plus four is 11 plus two is 13 names on the men's side. That's on the larger side. And that speaks to, we've actually seen, I know when we, we say on the women's side, there haven't been a ton of players who have been great this year. You know, we have one grand slam champion, but that tier below that, I think we've seen no player be exceptionally exceptional on the men's side. We don't have an Iga, but we have a lot of players nipping at the bit. Obviously, we didn't get to see enough of Djokovic. Otherwise, he'd be in that category. Rafa, to start the year, was in the Iga category, but the Medvedev, Alcaraz, Zverev, you know, Rublev, Rude, Sinner, Drapers of the world. There's a lot of guys who are playing very good tennis this year and are on the rise. And again, statistically, I think that shows. Well, again, you look on the women's side, Sviantek, Halep, Pagula, Jabour, 
Anisimova. Those are the five most consistent statistical players from start to finish this season. You know, five concrete names on the women's side from a stats point. I would say there's probably seven or eight of them on the men's side. And if you're willing to sneak in PCB and RBA, maybe you get to nine or ten on that list. That said, that's where things stand on the Pro Tour heading into Thursday, September 15th. Of course, we will be back tomorrow to recap all of the action. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westa, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, Rimbert's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.